Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right. Welcome once again to the Exit Your Way Faces of Business. With me today, I have Susan Gans. So Susan, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Damon. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. You 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 have a very interesting work that you do and I think it's going to be fun learning more about that and your background. So I'm happy to have you. So great we can do it today. Thanks for the, again for the opportunity. Awesome, awesome. So Susan, when we look at your background, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and kind of your career because it's interesting that you're helping executive teams and leaders get more of the right things done and you started off with a BS in clinical psychology. Yeah, so Damon, thank you so much for asking. I always say that I operate at the intersection of business and human behavior. So how I got to my work is that backstory of having that psychology background. And where does that come in? It comes in every day because it involves a lot of listening. You know, so you might have heard the saying, right? We have two ears and one mouth in that proportion for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really honed the active listening skills. It started with that psychology journey. And I've always been curious about what motivates people to be at their best, do their their best. And I think that's that curiosity also carries through in business problem solving and working with with teams. So my first job out of college was doing commercial lending for middle market companies. And I learned very early on how lonely at the top it is for CEOs and CFOs, because as we were discussing their business, it wasn't just about their financing needs. It was about broader business questions. And so that really inspired me to go get my MBA in business, you know, in finance and strategic management so that I could career change to consulting and to be able to solve those larger problems. And I went on to do consulting uh, from the standpoint of corporate finance, so sold companies and did strategy consulting, so helped with growth strategies and marketing strategies, and then decided to settle down, if you will, with one company to be able to impact strategy over time and worked on Wall Street for 10 years doing technology management. And that really um, gave me my experience in change management. Yeah. Because in the technology management areas that I was hired for, it was really about introducing change and people embracing new ways of doing things, new strategies. And I had to understand that the, the very nature of human beings is, is to uh, reject anything that's going <laughs> to 
yes. throw things off balance, so to speak. Yes. It, it's people want to be comfortable and we are wired, our brains are wired to keep us safe and small. So when you say, oh, I'm going to introduce this new technology process, they're like, what, what? And so you have to bring them along with you on the journey and make it fun. And I've always made my projects fun. I've always involved people in the process because that that's the key is involving them from the beginning and giving them a voice. And so um, I did that for 10 years and then went into financial planning and advisory work. And that's it's also a challenge because you're getting people to change behavior to try new habits relative mm -hmm. to their their money new ways of thinking same sort of thing there's a, that natural resistance yeah <laughs> yeah change. that's for sure well for our listeners here on linkedin or facebook if you're if you can it'd be kind of interesting just for you to shout out drop a comment from where you're listening from that'd be cool to see and uh, as we go along we'll we might post some of those up on the screen while we're doing it and and you're exactly right, Susan. I think it, that while, you know, when you're doing change and technology change specifically, um, people are, are often very resistant to it. And, and technology, as, as we all know, changes so quickly that it can be pretty radical changes that you're trying to introduce as well. Absolutely. And it's always about taking somebody's temperature, right, for change. Yeah. And, and really getting at naming the fear. I think that's the, the biggest thing is, okay, um, you know, what is it that makes you uncomfortable about this change? Or what is it that we can make this change more palatable? Like, what would help you? And I think when you involve people, it's all about involving people in the process. And, and that's what I found is the biggest, the biggest takeaways in my journey with change management is about involving people in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I used to liken it to the fact that if you're going to be a change agent in a business is when I was leading businesses is you have, you are constantly selling, but you're, you're selling what your changes are to everyone that, that will listen, everyone you can talk to. And like you said, involving, asking questions and, and, and just, and helping them resolve their concerns yes. by, by, and it is a form of selling almost, and I might not be using the right term, but it is, you're, you're explaining what's going to happen to allow people to become more comfortable. Yes. And it's getting people to be comfortable with the discomfort, if that makes yes. <laughs> any yeah. sense. And I think people have been tested, for example, in this pandemic, right, to be uncomfortable and and being comfortable with that uncomfortableness the uncertainty mm -hmm. around what's happening um during these challenging and changing times yes yes that's for sure so after you were doing the the it you said you went into financial management for or financial uh, yes financial management helping people planning their finances and stuff so what did you find most challenging about that so to me, the biggest challenge goes back to change, right? When you're, um, people say, oh, I, I would like support for, you know, planning my future. And we'd get to the nuts and bolts of, hey, what is it that's important to you? 
your big why, you know, and, and liking it to your values. But when the rubber meets the road is taking that action. Yes. Like taking that first action and making things in bite-sized chunks so that it becomes palatable. Because when you present a whole plan, people become overwhelmed. Like, oh, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I don't expect you to do that. So I would always do a checklist. Like, here... <laughs> There are some things you can do. Let's tackle this one step at a time. If you do mm -hmm. one thing, we can work on the next thing. But it's that initial hesitation to get over the initial inertia. Because again, yeah. the brain is keeping us small. Can't do that. Can't do that. Have to protect you. Even though these things, these actions that we were describing are all in the best interest of the client. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm writing a couple of notes down here because I want to ask some follow-ups on that. It, it is, and you're you're exactly right. So this is kind of off off subject a little bit, but so do you think that we can actually over time train our brain to not be resistant to change? I think you can we can change our brains rewire our brains to be open to new things and get it comfortable with the discomfort. I think okay. we can. Like there will always be times where the brain's going to say, "Oh no, oh no, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you." But I think it's it's that signal. Say, wait a second, I'm going to um, be growing. So, by doing this change. So it's changing the messaging, changing, um, as some people say, the movies okay. in, our, in our head. Yeah. And we can change. We can change up the energy. Um, I was listening to something today and, and somebody, somebody said, oh, I've, I've changed how I think about attention deficit disorder. This mm -hmm. is something about I have attention expansion disorder or something like that but just changing the wording of how we look at things the perspective we can rewire our brains yeah that's a that's a great so we're changing our perspective and the wording in our mind yeah that's that's really good because i know a lot of people listening and a lot of people in general and and you coach executives behind the scenes there's a lot of strife that goes on with you know yes. even at the highest levels imposter syndrome and and you know just all kinds of internal that they fight with every single day that prevents them from being you know as, as good as they could be and that's why i think that it's interesting when it to to understand the brain a little bit more and what we can actually do if we work at it Yes. And it, it's intention. It's all about our intention, intention and what we give attention to our intentions and the attention. And yes. it, it goes back to, I always say is foundational is to know your why, to really get clear about why you're doing what you're doing, because that keeps you grounded. Because when things get hard, you'll want to retreat but if you know your why, you tend not to, oh, I remember the reason why I'm doing this. And yes, it's going to be hard. When I power through this, I know I could get to the other side and accomplish this goal. That's very important to me. Yes, yes. 
So as you as you progress from the financial planning world, you, you then you then decided that you were going to help. Uh, you were going to be a C-suite advisor, and it says your C-suite advisor, business strategist slash chief of staff. So, you know what what kind? First of all, how how did you kind of go? This is what I this is what I think I should be doing. Where was it? Where was the light bulb when the light bulb came on? So the light bulb came on um, about three plus years ago, as there are some changes in the financial services industry, in which um, my my particular voice and brand um, couldn't be fully heard. Let's let's just say due to some legislative changes and how the um, my particular company I was working for interpreted those rules, mm-hmm. and I started to think about, well, where is it that I want to play? What is my why? What what are the things that I like to do? And for me, it always comes down to, I love strategy. I love um, change management. I love project management. I, I love coaching, business doctor, <laughs> business therapist. Um, I, I love making an impact. And, and for me, that's one of my core values is about making an impact. And so I saw a broader opportunity beyond financial planning to be able to do that. And so I formally launched uh, right before the pandemic last year as this chief of staff business strategist. And so you might be asking, well, what, what does that mean? What, what, what do you do in that role? And it's really about focusing the business owner or the entrepreneur on their key priorities and keep them on track, reminding them what's your why, what's important to you, okay? And what are the activities that you're doing to support that? Because often there's a disconnect and that's why yes. you need a, a right-hand person to be able to keep them focused on what they're good at and what they want to do with the business and then be able to hand it off to this right-hand person to help get some of the drive the strategic initiatives that they're not getting to or also take care of some of their operational issues that maybe they shouldn't be pulled into or to present data to them so that they can make decisions um, and give free up their time. It's really about freeing up time. Time is such a precious commodity that we can't get back. Yes. So it's about focusing the C-suite on what are the key things they need to get done, really want to get done with their business and um, be, be mindful of bright, shining objects getting in the way, being mindful of you know operational issues that might be best handled by some other people or to, like I said, put it in, in a form the where they can make decisions on it. Yeah, exactly. Because I think, I think a lot of people, and it doesn't really matter the, the business there's um, you can have a fairly sizable business and the owner is still more comfortable. Say, say I'm a, I'm a electrician and I'm more comfortable being with the, the people in the field doing electrical work where they really, their business is large enough, they should be worrying about finance or something else or long-term sales or, you know, all these kind of things. But yes. 
they got into business because they liked being an electrician. They knew they could do something different and make money, you know, more money or whatever with having their own business. Uh, but yet their businesses suffer because they want to be there with, you know, in the wrong place, essentially at that time. And I think that's something that a, a business owner has to, needs to decide to do, you know, is it what drives them? Is it the work itself or is it running the business? Cause they're two different things. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and sometimes, yes, you could get involved in the work, but is that the, the main thing you want to be doing? Or is it also being a leader and setting the tone and the culture for the company, being the face of the company, going out, talking to clients, perhaps identifying new markets, new products, new services to be offering. And, and so it's just, it's getting really clear with yourself what what is really important to you. And I think that's the hard work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So are there, when, when you're working with these, these people, are there common themes that you see across the board? Do you go, you know, this is really something that, that if uh, a business school or whatever people worked more on that would, it would help them. So it's funny you say that because I do a talk called the quick MBA and there are three lessons that I share in that talk. So the first lesson, and these are all things I didn't learn in business school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> um, so the first lesson is really about self-care. So it's getting clear on the why, and then also, being mindful of your self-care when it comes to your personal life, when it comes to your financial life, and then when it comes to the your profession, your career. And it's really about being mindful and embracing that you're not only a CEO of a company, you're also CEO of your life. Yeah. And, yeah. and to me, that was a big lesson. I've learned the hard way. I, I also have have observed other people getting burned out in their careers and, and really um, have embraced doing my own morning routines to get grounded for the day. So I could be present for all the different people in my life. So not only yeah. clients and, and so forth, but my family members too. Mm -hmm. And then on the financial end, it's also making sure you have a solid foundation from which to work, you know, getting your, your savings in order and your documents in order, and then having a, a plan for, you know, what it is, how you want to approach your business from a financing standpoint. How do you want to fund other goals in your life? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, home or college for your kid or charities yep. or whatever is important to you. So it's getting that grounded. And then it's your profession. You know, what is it that you want to achieve? And who is it that you intentionally want to develop relationships with? Because no matter what the business, you're always developing relationships with clients with centers of influence with vendors with peers industry experts so yeah so. yeah you know and it's 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 interesting that you number one is self-care and you talk about the three areas you did um you know when and i'll be i'm, I'm going to be honest here and 
when I was ma managing businesses in the 90s and, and you know, late 90s, at least in the, the early 2000s, you know, being being a CEO oftentimes meant you were going to be divorced. It was just a matter of time. Mm. And and, you know, and that obviously is not the way it has to be. But in certain circles, that's the way it is. And it's not because it's not because that person is any worse than anyone else. It's because they don't understand how to do these things. And the the more I've looked back at this, I think it's almost like today, if you look at a major league baseball player, football player, they the the leagues bring financial planners in with them because they've seen the horrors that happened before of, you know, I've got a $20 million signing bonus and I have nothing when I'm done playing, you know, business people don't have that luxury. It doesn't seem other than someone like yourself that comes in and helps them. And I think it's just as important at, at, at in ensuring that they have um, a good long-term life alongside of their career. Absolutely. And I think it's about recognizing that one has different roles in the, in their lives, right? They're, they're a son or a daughter, right? We come from somewhere. So we're definitely a son or a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> right. You could be a brother or a sister. You could be a father or a mother. You could be a, a, a spouse. You, you could be a coworker, you could be a cheerleader or a community person. There's so many different roles that we play in our lives. And, and so I think it's also recognizing that you're not defined by your work alone. It's all mm -hmm. these other things in your life. So I, I think that's one. Another thing you, you, you talked about divorce and, and challenges as, as a CEO, I very vividly remember at the beginning of business school, there was an article that came out on in business week profiling these CEOs, you know, and they give you the highlight wheel, all these wonderful things and how life is beautiful and everything's perfect. And I, I was sitting having a conversation with my colleagues and we, we stopped our studies and we had this conversation about this article and said, wouldn't it be great to really understand what were the sacrifices, what were the decisions that they, these CEOs made along the way? Was there something that they had to give up? Is there an and? Is it an or? What is it? Because we're not... You know, it just seemed like it was just this perfect stepladder. And we yeah. know in life, it's not like that. It's really not like that at all. Exactly. And and so we, we wrote um, a letter to the editor, which they published to say in future articles, we, we would love to hear what's the backstory of these CEOs that you're profiling. What are some of the challenges that they've faced, real life challenges that they've faced in climbing the corporate ladder and is there something that we should be mindful of so i don't remember that they actually did the profiling of that yes. future but we set our piece <laughs> yes well i mean I, I think if you've read the steve jobs book and I, it may be a good example maybe a bad example i don't know but as as brilliant as he was in apple and the other things that he did 
personally, he was, he, there, there, there were challenges. Yes. There were definitely challenges in the life there. Like everyone, like everyone. Now that's the, everyone's got yes. challenges, but I think that um, what you're doing by, by identifying and help people identify that and those different roles and help them work through them on their way to in, in their professional lives as well is very valuable because it is, I also believe it is possible to have a, a decent personal life in a very vibrant career and, and all around if, if they are cognizant of the things that you're helping them with. Yes. And I think it all goes back to, I'm going to point back to the why, um, like Simon Sinek says, you know, it's, it starts with why and knowing your purpose because that's, that's the thread throughout. So when I'm working with companies and they say, oh, I want to pursue XYZ strategy or XYZ tactic, we go back to wait before you jump to all the fun stuff. <laughs> Yeah. There's just a little bit of other fun stuff we need to talk about. And that's like, what is, what's the bigger picture here? Why you're doing what you're doing? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Like, wh like why? And it's not always an easy question for people to answer. And I think that's why they avoid it. Yeah. Um, yeah it goes yeah. back to that comfort, discomfort thing again. Yes. Yes. So in your quick MBA, we talked about the first one was self-care. So what's your sec number two? So number two is about developing relationships and why relationship building is important and being mindful of things like emotional intelligence. So how you manage your own emotions and your being self-aware and then how you manage relationships and being aware of you know, others and their emotions and um, then being intentional about the people that you want to develop relationships with and, and making a, a simple grid, if you will, of, you know, who are the types of people I want to meet for my business and how often do I want to uh, reach out, have a touch point with them? And what does that touch point look like? Is that a virtual coffee is that touch point in email is it a text is it a phone call what is it yeah and 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 so it's it's intentional about how that outreach happens um and it's also being mindful of people's human needs what i what i find during the pandemic is that people tend to have two primary human needs which is around certainty i want to know what's going to yeah. happen and the second human need is around connection because as i said we've we've been in this 2d world for almost a year now yeah and i think a lot of people are missing that 3d in real life connection mm -hmm. so it's acknowledging it and and you know creating experiences that are, are as close to 3D as, as possible. 